0: Hey, welcome back to another episode on the More Than Social podcast. Before I bring on our guest for today's episode, I wanted to ask you a question. Do you know who your biggest cheerleader is for your business? And no, I'm not talking about your partner. I'm not talking about your mom. I mean, the people who literally rave about your business, the ones that are raving and and bragging about the results that you are delivering. Have you ever thought about tapping into them for new leads or clients for your business? It's a strategy that most people overlook, but it's actually one of the best things you can do for your business. Why? They're already bragging about you. Now, today's episode is all about turning your cheerleaders and asking them for referrals. And I brought on an expert in referral marketing to talk about that, but also talk about how do you leverage other businesses for referrals. So his name is Chad, and trust me, you're going to love this conversation. So let's dive right into it. Hey, Chad, welcome to the More Than Social podcast.
1: Thank you, Lisa. Glad to be here.
0: I'm so excited to dive into everything to do with referrals, marketing, from a business perspective, as well as asking clients for referrals. But before we dive into the content, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of insight into who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah. So one of my company's revenue pros, we specialize in B2C and B2B referrals. So client referrals and strategic partnerships. A lot of people in the industry call them JVs or affiliates. There's a lot of different names for it, but at their foundational level, it's referrals. So we deal with the psychology behind what actually would motivate people to want to refer you and do it proactively versus reactively, which is what most of the industry suffers from reactive referrals, if referrals at all. Uh, so we help our clients uh, customize systems and processes around making that happen on autopilot.
0: Amazing. I love it. And then, so what's your preferred method doing the client base or the joint venture side of things? Uh,
1: joint ventures. Uh, the strategic partnerships is just, it's massive. It's one yeah. of those things where most people aren't even aware of it. And, you know, most companies making $5 million plus a year, 87% of them have strategic partnerships. Uh, when you get into entrepreneurs who are making less than a million a year, less than 17% do it. Less than wow. five hundred thousand, less than seven percent do it. So it's kind of this area of lead generation that most people aren't even aware exists, and it's mm-hmm. really incredible.
0: Do you find it's people aren't aware of it, or do you find it's people are hesitant to ask for just referrals in general?
1: Well, I think so. On, on the client side, if we're talking about client referrals, people are hesitant to ask because there's a lot of misconceptions around that. And there's a lot of negative perceptions, I think, that are self-created right people feel like they're pressuring or forcing their clients or they're gonna they look like they're begging for business and you know if you don't set it up properly it's gonna have some really negative feelings so people are, are afraid to ask and then they justify it by saying well if i just do a good job and and my clients get great results they'll refer me on their own which they will but not nearly to the level that they could be if you had a process in place so on that end it's fear based on the strategic partnership end, the b2b I think, number one, people don't do it just because they're not aware of it or they're not aware of how powerful it can be. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that you can have upstream and downstream referral partners. And if you had you know, what I call the 12 by 12, you could be making a million dollars a year just on that. Even on a simple $2,000 FitPro offer, you could be making an easy seven figures through strategic partnerships. So awareness is a massive issue. And then the people who are aware typically have a handshake conversation where they're like, hey, can you have me do a presentation in your group or in your Facebook group or on your stage or whatever. There's not a lot of information out there on not only how do I identify opportunities, how do I connect and do outreach for those opportunities? And then once they're there and the person agrees to be a potential strategic partner, how do we then incentivize them to send the first few deals quickly? Because if you don't get the first few in the first 30 days, it's going to fizzle and that partnership will not last. And so most people get the yes but then it fizzles, you know? So that's kind of the the strategic partnership side. It's a little bit, it's not hard, just a a lack of awareness and process.
0: Yeah. And it's a little bit more in depth than, The client side of things. So let's start with the client referral side of things. And then I would love to talk about the JV side of things and the affiliate. So with the client, so obviously your client, let's just say you got incredible results with your clients. Like you said, they may slowly just trickle in those referrals if it just happens to come about. But is there any specific things that we should be doing right off the bat with our clients to get them to send us referrals? 100%.
1: 100%. Yeah. So th- this is what I call referral priming. And so there's, there's three ma- major pillars to client referrals. Priming, which is the warm up. That's how you get them excited about and wanting to refer you really from day one. You start doing this on your onboarding call. And then timing, which deals with when do you actually make the first direct referral request and how do you set it up so as to engage reciprocity and have them wanting to refer you by the, by the point, by the time you actually get to the refer- referral request, they've likely already referred you if you prime them well enough. Mm -hmm. And then the third pillar is reminding, which is, you know, once they've referred you once, they can refer you over and over and over again. You can create those referral centers if you do it right. So reminding deals with how do we keep them engaged and wanting to refer us time and time again without being annoying, right? And be like, oh, I got a referral program. If you know anybody, don't forget to send them my way, which people hate, right? Or you get a text or an email that's like, don't forget to refer us, right? So there's some really amazing processes to, to remind and keep your clients engaged without annoying them.
0: Okay. Now how so do you are, prime so, them to start at even?
1: Yeah. So so there's a couple steps to priming. So one of the biggest obstacles to referrals is the fact that your clients just aren't even conscious of the fact that they should or could be referring to you. It's not that they don't want to or they can't. They just don't know how because nobody's taught them. They don't know that they should be doing it because nobody's you know, talked to them about the opportunity and there's no urgency for them to do it. They just feel like, oh, I'll do it later on right? Mm-hmm. And so when the, oper- when the thought crosses their mind, if there's no urgency, then it, it's just like a passing thought bubble that goes away and it's out of sight, out of mind. And if they don't know how to do it, a lot of times the mental energy that it takes to think about, okay, how do I tell this person? How do I connect them? Where do you want me to connect them? Like That mental bandwidth is just not worth it in the end. And so they don't actually ever take the action. And so, you know, we teach our clients in the onboarding call to, or during the onboarding process, however yours is, to introduce your referral program to them, let them know what all the benefits are for them and the people they refer. They have to have double-sided incentives and the incentive for the prospect is much more powerful than the incentive that that's for them. Most referral programs only incentivize the the person making the referral, but you, you really want, you have to have a high perception of value for the people they would be referring to you that would make them want to proactively approach those people versus like, wait to get asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you introduce the program to them, let them know all the benefits, teach them how to do it. And so, you know, with our clients, we build instruction lander pages, we, we build automations. There's a lot of things that we do to make this easy. And then you have to create some urgency for them to refer you in that first 30 days. Cause if they don't refer you in the first 30 to 60 days, the probability probability that they ever will drastically decreases. If you can get them to at least take the action of making a referral in the first 30 days, whether or not that person signs up, you can create a referral center really easily. That's where all those referral centers are created.
0: I have a question about that. And sorry to interrupt. So if they're doing it within the first 30 to 60 days, let's just say, so with my clients, most of the build out of the entire projects that we run for our clients are about two to three months to build out. So are Mm -hmm. you actually starting this referral process in my case, during the build-out stage or would it be 30 days that you've launched their system, let's just say, they're starting to get results within the first 30 days and that's when they're starting it.
1: Yeah, no, first 30 days before they even get results. Most people refer you before yeah. they ever get a result and that's fine. We don't want them to yeah. wait until they get a result because that's where, that's where all the problems come up. And so we incentivize them higher to make a referral earlier. Mm-hmm. And on the onboarding call, we let them know like, hey, listen, you don't have to sell anybody, just tell them. Right, and so there's like a little process we take our clients through, but essentially what we're doing is we have like a standard referral incentive and we have a bonus incentive. So like a top tier, and if you make that first introduction in the first 30 days, regardless of whether they are enrolled or not, you hit the top tier, and it's a massive difference. So like for me with our stuff, you know, we our standard referral incentive to our clients is 200 bucks, but if they make an introduction in the first 30 days, regardless of whether they sign or not, we we consider them a strategic partner, and we. 10 exit, so that referral incentive is actually $2,000 on the back end. Plus, we we go out and we pre-negotiate a joint venture relationship for them. So we actually broker a JV for them as well. So we literally give them passive income. And all I got to do is make an intro in the first 30 days. The person doesn't even need to enroll. I just want okay. them to take the action of making the referral because once they've done it once, now it's ingrained. They know how to do it. They know what mm-hmm. to say. They know how to do it. They've done it before. And when the opportunities come up or they notice them, they're much more proactive in taking those opportunities and so most okay. of our clients like we've had we've had people refer us up to 60 people in the first 30 days just because they get on a roll. So yeah.
0: Amazing. And then so the yeah. goal is to get that first referral in and then you throw them into the JV side of things.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's like hey listen we'll, you know, we'll be a downstream and so you know we treat them as if they were a joint venture partnership so there's a lot more love and and you know care and tenderness that we put into the relationship with them if they if they make that introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we let them know like this person doesn't have to sign up. We just want you to take the action. We want you to see how easy it is. And, yeah. you know, so that's, that's, so we're, we're very transparent about it. And at the same time, it's valuable for the person that they're referring to us because regardless of whether the person they referred to us signs up or not, we still hook them up with like one of our $6,000 products for free. And so it, it's, it's like the goal is to make them either feel stupid or selfish for not referring to somebody like your incentive for the prospect has to have such a high perceived value that your client would feel dumb or selfish to not tell other people about you.
0: So sorry, the prospect would get the product regardless if they sign up or not? Yep. Or what's the client? Okay. Okay. Got that. Yep. I didn't know. So that yeah. Going. So
1: yeah. So it's a high perception of value. is So the, the prospect incentive is kind of like the holy grail of referrals. Like if you can get the prospect incentive right, It's something that's very leveraged, doesn't cost you money, that doesn't take a lot of time or effort on your end, but has an incredibly high perception of value. And that takes some brainstorming. But if you can get that, it's like Hormozy's $100 million offers. We're creating $100 million back-end offers, like the irresistible back-end offer that makes it all work.
0: So with that offer for the prospect, let's just say that they don't move forward, is that kind of priming them to get ready to work with you in the future? Is that Mm -hmm. the idea? Yeah, it
1: gets them, exactly, it gets them into our ecosystem. We give them a lot of value. So because if they get in and they get that incentive and they don't work with us, it's just a matter of time as they start to go through it that they're like, wow, if if this is what I got for free, then like, I'm excited to learn more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So first thing you're talking to your client, you're onboarding a new client, you're going to launch the referral product or program and actually talk to them about it. Now, main referral programs, is that typically a financial thing for them? Or have you seen other programs work?
1: Yeah, it depends. So it depends on who your ideal client is. Everybody's incentivized slightly differently. So, you know, we're very aware of like who is incentivized by what, and we look at who, who our client's avatar is essentially. So if you're working with men or women over the age of 40 who are a little bit higher socioeconomic, you know, they're making 8,000 plus a month. They're usually not going to be nearly as incentivized by cash as somebody who's maybe 20 to 30 year old years old, who is maybe not in that socioeconomic category or who's very like business owners are highly incentivized by cash incentives because they can just drop that right back into their business. But if, if it's somebody who's not a business owner, they're a teacher or they're a nurse or they're a firefighter, like, you know, they may or may not be as incentivized by cash, right? A lot of people here's the thing with the incentive. And this is where most people go wrong. They feel like they can just throw money at their clients and their clients are going to want to do it. And if you're throwing money at the wrong people, it's actually going to cannibalize your referral program. Like they're actually going to feel sleazy about it. And because, you know, besides the will to survive in human beings, the will to matter is the next deepest human motivator, right? That that need to be wanted and feel important it's social capital. And that's why they're going to refer you at a foundational level. And if if their friend finding out that they got paid money is going to decrease their social capital, they're not going to do it. So you got to be really careful about who your clients are and how you're incentivizing them. And sometimes if you're not sure, surveying them or giving them options, this or this is a way to get around that if you're not 100% sure what's going to incentivize them.
0: Interesting. And then do you ever change it? So let's say that... You picked the financial route. Would you ever change it just based on the clients that you're talking to at that point and just kind of pick and choose until you have a perfect strategy?
1: No, I, I, nothing's ever set. So we're massive proponents of testing. everything. Like If you're in paid advertising on the front end, everything is about testing. It's, it's split testing. It's no different with referrals. And this is actually a big misconception. People think like, oh, I tried a referral program and it didn't work. My clients didn't refer me or I did this thing and it didn't work but they don't go about that the same way that they go about their front end advertising with paid ads. Like paid ads, how many times does somebody's first ad actually hit? Like almost never. It's like a unicorn, right? The amount of time and effort and intention that goes into testing creatives and copies and, and hooks and, you know, CTAs and all that stuff. It's incredible. And then they're like, they're testing colors, right? Like which color is going to hit better, yellow or green. If people would take more of that approach with their referral systems they would have a lot more success. Mm -hmm. But the problem is it didn't work. They give it up and go on to the next kind of shiny thing versus the testing aspect of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally relate to all the ads and the funnels and all that testing. So definitely get that. Now, what about when do you even implement a referral program within your business? Is that something that you do from first client that you ever get? Or is it something? Oh, immediately.
1: Immediately. Because it will, you know, our clients grow two and a half times faster than their peers because you know, we're getting leads after the sale. Like that—that's the big thing. Like people don't realize. Like our, our clients right now are averaging two leads for every client they bring in the door. And so, okay. you know, if you get one client in the door and you're going to average two leads out of them, how much faster are you going to be able to grow, right? And so, the, the sooner you can that like that was one of my biggest. I've done referrals for twenty years, but two of my first businesses, I took entirely too long to put referral systems in place. 'Cause I was so focused on front end legion because that's all we see in here. Like we're inundated on our on the ads that we see from our insta and whatever, like ninety clients in thirty days or this many sales calls, guaranteed. Like everything's about front end acquisition. But what people don't realize is 80% of the Fortune five hundred companies agree that referrals and retention are more impactful for their company than front end acquisition.
0: Absolutely. So, so they're warmer they're warm at that point. They already well, someone else has already like put you on a pedestal, essentially.
1: Yeah. Closing ratios are better. Lifetime value is longer and higher. Somebody that comes in on a referral is already four times more likely to refer on their own without even having a referral program in place. And then the retention side of things, which we also do, which is that client lifetime value. So we work a lot with our clients on Ascension and cross sales and down sales and all that stuff. Like Essentially, how do you keep them in your ecosystem forever? A client on the back end of your business should be worth six to seven times more than the first time they paid you love it. So yeah, so if, if I were starting a business and had like, the first thing I put in place would be a referral and retention system before I even started bringing on clients, because I would grow so much faster once I did start bringing them in.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense, actually. So then what about so if they're just starting with their client base, then what you talked about, if they start referring, then you turn them into the joint venture strategic partner side of things. So explain that side of things.
1: Well yeah, so you know with with our particular clients we we turn them into like a strategic partner because we pay our strategic partners more. It doesn't necessarily mean that we would consider them like like our definition of a strategic partner we have what we call a 12 by 12. So it's like, you know, we're always looking for 12 upstream partners, which are partners who serve our clients and they send us business, right? So we get new clients from them. And we usually give like twenty percent, you know, back to them for having, you know, referred those clients to us when they enroll. That's what most people think about when they think about strategic partnerships. But where it gets even more powerful is our downstream. So we've basically taken a look at who our ideal client is and who our current clients are, and we've identified every single product or service that they might want or need over the next twenty-four months. We've identified, and we've gone out and vetted the people who either provide or have access to that. And then we've negotiated discounts for our clients that they couldn't get on their own, even if they found them on their own. So our clients are going to get those products and services anyway. But if we're able to make an introduction to those professionals and procure discounts for our clients at the same time, and still get a 20% commission on the back end as well, then we're making passive income. All we have to do is a simple intro. We're making income with zero fulfillment. And you can have as many downstream as you want. So... You know, people get so who can send me, who can send me clients, who's a strategic partner that has a big audience that can send me clients like that's great. And you need that. But also we're, we're entirely focused on that versus who we can be sending clients to as well. And, mm-hmm. and getting that back in percentage with no fulfillment.
0: Love that. Okay. So they refer you and then whether it's a deal or no deal, then you can kind of refer them to other people based on whatever they need at that point. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And or if they become clients, right? So like if they become clients of ours, you know, not every one of our clients is going to have the same needs and wants, but we know what most of them are. And so as they move throughout our process, we kind of have specific spots where we, you know, make an introduction request where we'll have an automation that reaches out that says, Hey, we have a friend who does this thing and they're offering our clients this discount. If you're interested, you know, let us know. We'll make an intro. Mm-hmm. And so they let us know, we make an introduction, and then those two link up. And then if they end up enrolling, then we get a commission and our client gets impacted because they get a higher discount. And then this downstream JV partner also gets a lot of clients through us as well. So it's it's a, it's a whole system that you can put together and like it could be 90% automated, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about that then. Are you using funnels and email marketing to upsell, downsell? Or what's like the... Yeah, so,
1: we're, yeah so we use we use sms and email marketing right and then obviously like on our coaching calls and in our program like there are certain you know touch points where we know that clients are either having success or we're working with them on something where somebody else could also support them that's either not something we have expertise in or not something we want to do and so that's a good spot where we would make an introduction request and there's never any pressure with it, which is awesome. It's always, you know, we always ask our client like, hey, we think that this would be supportive for you. We know somebody, we've hooked up this thing. Would you be open to an intro, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but, but most of that comes through automation. So yes, the majority is automated through SMS and email to answer that question.
0: Okay, and then, so you keep mentioning like 20% is kind of what you guys focus on with joint ventures. Is that pretty standard across the board or does that percentage vary based on price point offers, all of that?
1: A lot. So anything that has a high level of fulfillment, so like the coaching space or agency space, uh, 20% is a pretty standard back-end incentive, but it's guaranteed, right? And so like a 5 to 1 return on anything that's guaranteed is money all day long. Like if you could guarantee me a 5 to 1 return on my ads, like guaranteed, or I get my money back, (laughs) like I'm in it, give it to me, right? And a lot of times it can be more than that because that's not even taken into account our ascension, Right, so our clients are, you know, usually four, five, six, seven times more valuable in the back end. So we're actually, when it's all said and done, getting closer to like a forty to one return, even with the upfront twenty percent. So those are things that people aren't thinking about. But for high fulfillment companies, ten to twenty percent, twenty percent is more standard. If it's like a software, like a SaaS company, where there's no fulfillment and it's just like a monthly thing, usually thirty to fifty percent is what you'd see be standard. But there's some people that will do up to 70% on SaaS type things. And there'll be some other companies who do up to 30 or 40% on high fulfillment things. And those are people that are going to get a lot more business initially because they pay a higher percentage. You know, so we always teach our clients like, you know, get your, get your downstream, you know, the people that are paying those percentages, keep your bench. But if you find somebody who's really good that's paying a higher percentage, then that's a good person to downstream to, you know, it's so like for me, for example, I'm usually looking for people who are very proficient in what they do but that are a little bit newer in the industry because they pay a higher percentage than people who have been around for 10 or 20 years and already have that word of mouth going for them. And they already have that market saturation. They're going to pay a much lower percentage. And so it doesn't really support us to send big companies like that business. If we're getting 10% versus one over here that isn't maybe quite as established, but we can support and help grow, and they're paying us a higher percent commission on the back end, then that's who we're more looking to identify. Unless this company... Is a synergistic relationship where we send you know business back and forth. In that case, yeah. you know we we weigh the pros and cons of that.
0: Okay, interesting. So me and you, we're talking about we work with other business owners, so this makes total perfect mm-hmm. sense. But what about the clients who, let's say, a mortgage agent who works with just everyday people, not business owners necessarily, so just customers or clients? Does this work the same thing if it's not a business owner that you're working mm-hmm. with?
1: Yeah. So you got to be, you got to be careful about what industry you're in. You can make it work the same, but there are certain industries that have like acts of Congress where you can't receive kickbacks for referrals, right? So like yeah. if you're in real estate, so you mentioned mortgage or real estate, you have RESPA, which, so you can't, you can only pay a certain amount for referrals and it can't be directly attributed to the referral itself. There are some gray areas and ways to get around that. I actually started out building these systems in the mortgage space. So okay. I'm very aware of that. But with your strategic partnerships it has to be more of a symbiotic relationship versus like a paid relationship okay. another one would be like you know wealth advisors or anybody governed by the sec um, mm-hmm. would be another one industry where you're going to be a little bit more handcuffed or, or you know insurance agents those are industries which we don't directly work with as well with our company because we are like we're so highly you know incentive theory is a big part of what we do because it's a massive part of being able to really grow businesses so those industries it's going to be a little bit tougher, but you can still make it work. And it's unfortunate because most of those those laws and regulations were put in in the 1970s when Facebook and, and Insta and Google didn't exist. So the only form of advertising was a billboard or referrals. And so, yeah. you know, there's these acts of Congress from the 70s that haven't been refreshed. Uh, if you can pay Facebook a bunch of money to, you know, invade somebody's space on a phone, you would think that somebody making an introduction wouldn't be nearly as, you know, bad for privacy but back in the 70s it was so just a lot of outdated regulations in those industries unfortunately Uh, the medical industry is one that a lot of people in that industry like chiropractors and physical therapists and and people doing med spas and hormone therapy and all that stuff like they are afraid that they can't do this because they're governed by HIPAA and AKS anti-kickback things but what they don't realize is there's a lot of safe harbors that we can actually use to make this work really well for them so like a perfect strategic partnership is let's say, a chiropractor to a high-ticket fitness professional because the fitness professional is going to do what the chiropractor doesn't. It's an easy introduction for somebody who needs that support, and it creates for a really amazing joint venture relationship where the chiropractor would be the upstream to the fitness professional and the fitness professional would be the chiropractor's downstream uh, or vice versa, a fitness professional to somebody who does hormone therapy. Right. So people working with women over 40 who are helping them with their fitness and nutrition and other things, there's some hormone issue, hormonal issues that the fitness professional is not going to be able to to support with. So having somebody that they can refer those women to who's really going to support them, that's another amazing strategic partnership opportunity. Right. So there are lots of these things, and we see them every day. Here's the thing that most people don't realize with strategic partnerships. You see them every day and you don't even realize it. Like what is it, Uber and Spotify. That's a strategic partnership. You know, the Spotify lets you listen to your music inside of Uber and, you know, roll it through Uber. I think it's Uber. It's either Uber or Lyft. I think it's Uber, okay. but you have to have Spotify to do that. Right. Or like a T-Mobile and Taco Bell. Like those are two you would never think about. And T-Mobile <laughs> literally buys you tacos every two. You get a free taco every Tuesday. If you're with T-Mobile, like people will, will keep renewing just because they want their weekly taco. And it costs T-Mobile like what? 50 probably at Taco Bell's wholesale rate to buy a taco for somebody, and so over okay. 52 weeks, that's twenty seven dollars that that T-Mobile pays for this client. But this client's renewing at like twelve or fifteen or two thousand dollars. It's a pretty amazing yeah. return on your investment, right? And Taco Bell is just getting; they're just like happy because they're selling more tacos. Because <laughs> when the person goes into Taco Bell, they don't just get the free taco; they get a drink and maybe something else, and their little gordita or whatever. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's yeah. an amazing strategic partnership. BMW and Louis Vuitton, another one, like Louis both luxury brands, both have the similar avatar. Louis Vuitton did a custom bag, like a set of six custom bags for the 2019 i8. You couldn't get these bags unless you bought the i8 and they built them to fit perfectly inside of the i8, right? So like, That's funny. they sold a lot of i8s and got a lot of Louis Vuitton bags that are like very sought after. So they're, they're happening every single day. And you oh. walk by them, you see them on TV. Everybody that is making 5 million plus annually is in the know. And it's kind of like that cool person's club that's like a secret club that nobody really talks about for companies making less. So we're really just trying to make that available for everybody.
0: Yeah, I mean, you see it a lot like in the online coaching courses, communities. So it's like- J- Yeah, yeah,
1: what is it? Yeah, you see them all the time. I mean, was yeah. it uh, Mastermind with Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosi, one of yeah, like the true. most successful joint ventures ever? And so, you know, there's, and they brought in everybody. I mean, you had Russell Brunson was in on that. And, and like literally everybody who is anybody was an affiliate, i.e. JV for that specific thing. That's at a large scale. But on a small scale, again, like you could be a business barely making six figures. And if you can land three or four JVs on either side, that could mm-hmm. explode your business. It just takes one.
0: Yeah, amazing. I love it. I love it. You got my brain thinking about things to do. So, last question for you about JVs. Where what should people do to even start at this point? Let's just pretend they're just listening to this and they're inspired and they want to create more referrals within their business. What do you recommend? How do you start?
1: Yeah, so first thing is just brainstorming, like identifying, right? So like who else, like who do I serve and who else is this person working with this year? Or who else serves that audience? And, and start like making lists of those people. And then number two, do I know anybody that's in that list? Is there a warm connection that I can reach out to to, have, to start having this conversation? And then once you land your first one, you basically just reverse engineer that into an outreach process that you can start. like Just go scrape a list of a thousand of that same person and you just start reaching out. Right? And so there's a whole process for it, but identifying it is the first step in that. Um, which is uh, arguably the hardest because it's not a mainstream because, you know, they've taught us what are the two main forms of Legion that, that everybody's talked about, like organic and paid, right? You're either doing paid ads or you're doing like organic content creation on social media or doing a podcast or a book or whatever it is or referrals. But nobody's talking about like this in between, which is that strategic partnership, which is really kind of like the secret accelerator that's available for people. But identification is hard because not everybody is in awareness. So like you and I might be perfect strategic partnerships or a perfect strategic partnership. I might see that and put it in front of you and you might not even be aware of the opportunity that's sitting in front of you right now. So nothing happens, which is why, you know, I actually partnered with a little savant on on developing development he's a developer he's developed multiple dating apps and sold for millions he's developed he built 22 apps which is like a kind of like click funnels for app builders but we just built what we call lead swipe which is the first ever strategic partner matching app app that's going to come out in september so it's going to make identification easy and it's going to get rid of the problem of awareness as well where instead of swiping for dates you're swiping for dollars right and so but it's with strategic partners who are who the AI algorithm, which is incredibly powerful, knows based on your the, the probability of a match, like who you're serving, what your audience size is, what your list size is, what you're looking to do, your offers and offer price points and commissions. It takes all this stuff into account as well as some personality questions and it puts your highest probability of a great successful match in front of you on the very first one. So you're not like indiscriminately just like looking. You're able to really find and identify amazing matches quickly. Cool. And, and, you know, book calls right there in the app, you guys both match, it opens your calendar link and you book your first JV conversation right there to talk about how you can partner.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. So just swipe to find the right match for your business to start the JB. And I like that idea because both of you are coming into it with the same intention. You're both looking for that partnership versus you have to do that cold outreach trying to find someone and explain it to them. So I, I, that's I mean, a really that's cool idea. I like that.
1: That's it. It's its intention. You know, <laughs> intention is incredibly high. Where even on like the dating side, right? Like, who knows what somebody's intention is, and like, you, who knows if you even have the same intention, and so. You know, this is built to have a high, high level of attention and rate of awareness. And it's going to work for everybody, right? So everybody's going to be even real estate and wealth advisors. And, and you know, everybody's going to be able to be on this. You know, we're trying to get, you know, 500,000 users on it, business owners in the first 12 months, when, once it launches here in September, because we want to have as much available for people as possible when it comes to partnerships. You know, our goal is to revolutionize networking. You know, you can sit in the comfort of your home and in five minutes, see who your best match is, what they do, what their offers are, what their price points are, what they're giving your audience or your clients for free, or what they want from you. There's a video that they can put, like, you can literally get to know more about a person looking at them for 30 seconds on the app than you could in a mastermind that you paid 50000 for for, 20000 or, $20, or 10000 for, and you still leave, like, maybe having a connection or two, but you don't know what their intention or really what all their stuff is or your BNI group, right? That like, you don't even get to choose who's in that group that you're supposed to refer to. And I don't even know if I like the guy sitting next to me, let alone want to refer my clients to them. But I'm like relegated to have to refer to this person so I can be in this group. Um, you know, this is going to change all that. So you, you can decide who your partners are and it's gonna it's going to make the world available versus just the few people that you know.
0: I love that. That is such a good idea. I can't wait for that to launch in September. Yeah. Very exciting. cool. Very cool. So you've given us a lot to think about, especially this app. I will definitely make sure to link that in the show notes. If you even have a waitlist or anything for it, um, I can link that so people can check that out. But where else can people find you? Where can they connect with you?
1: Yeah, so they can always find me just on my on my Insta, Chad Durfee is easy, uh, or they can go to RevPros.com, which is you know the, the the company that we use for all the client referrals and strategic partnerships. Uh, I'll also give a calendar link to my team because everybody that's listening, if they want to get my B2C referral course, which is we sell for $5,800, we'll give that to them for free, as well as we'll let them pre-register for the app. So when when the app first comes out, they're going to get first dibs on getting on it and getting access to everything. And so, you know, we'll give them all of that for free.
0: Amazing. So you want to get them on the call first to get access to both of those? That's a idea? Yeah,
1: the idea? Yeah. The goal is for us to just make sure that they're even a fit for either one of the two. And if they are a fit for the B2C course, we're going to give them basically best practice on how to use it. And then if they're a fit for the app, we'll make sure just to get their information so we know who to reach out to.
0: Amazing. I love it. Thank you so much. That's so kind of you. Last question for you. So I always end all of my interviews off with this question. What is one piece of advice that you can give a fellow entrepreneur? It doesn't have to be a referral marketing standpoint, just anything that the biggest advice that you can give a fellow entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, I honestly, I've got so much of that. I think the one that's probably the most relevant is I think so often as entrepreneurs, we're so focused on the end goal and the outcome and where we want to be. The journey becomes, can become really tedious and and not nearly as as fun right and and it can become a a, a, an obstacle to your overall success and so as you grow and hit levels the problems that you have now that you feel like if i could just fix this like everything would be great there's going to be a new set of those just at a different level and so being able to to learn how to you know, take those and enjoy them and kind of like the obstacle is the way book, you know, it's a great book, like see that as a moment in time in your journey and appreciate it. I think if I could go back and do it again, I would have done a lot more appreciating and enjoying it, even though I'm in the middle of struggles that are painful and and very difficult. And, you know, one month you're like, I'm going to be a billionaire. And the next month you're like, I'm going to be living under a bridge with my kids, Uh, (laughs) you know, like that, that kind of roller coaster. Finding a way to like enjoy those moments where you're like, okay, well, yeah, I'm gonna be living under a bridge. So, what bridge do we want to live under? Let's find a good one. You know, like, let's go look with the kids and see what we can find. Like, how do we make that a little bit more enjoyable?
0: Yeah, because it it's definitely is a journey. It's ups and downs. No matter what stage you're in, you're always gonna come across challenges. You're always gonna be continuously learning. So, I can relate to exactly what you said there. It's I used to stress so much about. Whatever was happening at the time, it's like looking back eight years ago, if I had that problem now, I wouldn't even think about it the same way as I would now. So it's like you grow, you evolve, you change, and it's appreciate the journey. And I feel like you said it right, that everyone is so focused on that end result. I want to be that billionaire. I want to build. Whatever. Like you just want to hit that one goal, but it's like you have time to get there. So it's like, why not enjoy the process while you're getting there? Because as soon as you hit that goal that you set for yourself as an entrepreneur, you're typically gonna say, Okay, what's that next goal? And it's just like an ongoing thing.
1: <laughs> can I follow up with one thing there real quick that I think would be massive for most yeah, entrepreneurs yeah. and business owners alike? Is you say that you have the time. You know, we get so caught up in being busy, right? We can, like busy is like a buzzword where it's like if I'm busy, I'm successful and you know, that, that's another thing that I would have changed. Like I'm always bit like, I'm not busy anymore. Like I'll find other ways to say it. Like, you know, I've got a lot of exciting projects. I've got some amazing things I'm working on that are, you know, that I, that I'm investing my time into. But this idea that busy is success is a, a fallacy. And this maybe came up for me just because I have kids, but like at this point for me, success is having that financial freedom and having all my time and not being busy if I don't want to be busy. Right. And so that would be the other thing that I would be looking more for, a little bit more balance in my schedule, right? And so that, that busy isn't equated to success because it's not.
0: Yeah, I, I hear I'm busy all the time. It's like busy is a good thing, but I like how you reframe that. You're working on exciting projects or whatever, however you want to make that positive fit on it. Because I feel like when people say they're so busy all the time, they're complaining. But yeah, then well, they exactly. Want to be so it's like yeah,
1: complaining or virtue signaling that I'm I'm a, I'm an important person, <laughs> right? So exactly, exactly. busy for me is a bad thing. <laughs> like you don't want to be busy. You want to be you want to be passionate, and involved, but you don't want to be busy. So I would say that as well. Like don't equate yeah. busy to success.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I cannot wait for everyone to hop on the phone with either yourself or your team to check out your course. But even more importantly, I think that app is going to be a game changer. So I cannot wait for that yeah. to launch in September. I appreciate you. Thank you so much again, Chad. And I hope that you come back on the episode uh, yeah, later. Me, to talk more, more in depth, especially when you launch your app. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And that's a wrap for today's episode, folks. Big thanks to Chad for joining us and dropping some serious referral marketing knowledge. I'm sure you have taken away a lot of valuable tips on how do you ask for referrals with confidence, how do you leverage your existing clients for those warm leads, and how do you look at other businesses for referrals too. Chad has given us some awesome insights, he's given us some growth hacks that I know we can all implement right away, so make sure you connect with him and continue this conversation. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, keep pushing forward, keep staying curious with your business and I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on this episode. I am so grateful that you show up each and every week. I hope these tips and tricks have brought you some new ideas and new inspiration for your business. If you love this conversation, let me hear it. Leave us a rating and review on the More Than Social podcast and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Share it with someone who you know needs this message and together, let's make an impact and let's make a business that we love. I'll see you next week. Thank you.